1: Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portzine here, joined as always by Allison Lucan. Hello. And Tom Reed. Hello. It is Friday. The Blue Jackets are coming off an emphatic win last night over the Los Angeles Kings, 4 1. I think it's the game they have been. Wanting to play for a while where it kind of all came together. You'll you recall this team went through a court, sort of a come-to-Jesus meeting on Sunday after a horrific loss to Washington. They played much better. They played really well defensively against Vancouver, maybe as good as they've played all year defensively. They lose that game 3-2 to two on two weird goals and a bad goal. Last night was different. They They played, I thought, pretty close to as well, defensively. Yeah. And not a, not a, not a good team, the Los Angeles Kings right now, but they were op- opportunistic and they, they finished on some chances. There were still some more there. I'm thinking of you, Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, but a very convincing and very sort of all around win. Uh, Allison Lucan, you were there with me, your thoughts on it sort of all starting to come together, perhaps not here for the Blue Jackets.
2: Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think that, They played quite well. It might be some of the best hockey we've seen these past two games since the Minnesota game, perhaps. Um, And I think, you know, again, to be rewarded last night um, for playing the right way is so important um, to keep that going. And what's good here is that they're in this nice little crucible of staying at home. And so if they can kind of build a happy little nest and keep playing this way and get that confidence and that, that routine and that repetition going, it it should hopefully at least start to stick and carry.
1: Now, Tom, I mean, I look at it this way. It, I think it's a, it's, it's a really good sign that they're able to have a very serious day at the rink on Monday, uh, 45 video clips from John Tortorella. He was on them hard at practice and then flip of the switch. They are a very sound defensive team against Vancouver. In one sense, you say, that's pretty impressive. That is proof, if anybody doubts John Tortorella's impact or this team's uh, grasp of John Tortorella and his coaching, this would seem to certainly confirm he very much has the room. But it is just as simple of them as them drifting away from it. And it is just as easy as them saying, oh, okay, now we're going to check. In other words, this isn't like a... A failing of the team. It was more of a failing of the approach of the team. You see it that way?
3: Yeah, it's just. It's, it's I think he used
1: a use use perfect word. Reset. I mean,
3: they had gotten. They had just strayed so far away from how they needed to play. They got caught up in this whole. We can outscore teams, and for a while it was working. And but you, you've got at some point you've got. To, you know, there were just way too many odd man breaks. There were way too many guys just scoring. With no one on them in front of the net, um, and I think they, I think they just got a shock back into their system, a, a, a double bolted one with the Calgary game, and then one where they just, they just didn't compete uh, against Washington. Now, now, you know, these are they just beat two really bad teams, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah. So to me, that's you know, they've lost some bad teams along the way too, but it's at least a building block, and it's it's it to me, it's just it was really good to see them play the way they have the last couple of games because they really have not given up much. Wash or LA could give them another they could still be over there right now and they couldn't score.
1: Yeah
3: jackets last night. But there that's another story they're horrendous.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing how quickly that team I think people were- we,
3: were, we were talking about that last night. I don't I cannot remember a team, a multiple cup champion, that if there wasn't a financial issue involved where Oh, God, you know, Chicago, they had to tear that team apart, right? They lost so many good parts. You think of the Oilers back in the 80s where Peter Pocklington wasn't going to pay all those stars. You understand that. Normally, what happens is like, well, Detroit, right? You, okay, you stop winning Stanley Cups, but you're getting to the second round of the playoffs, whatever. The Los Angeles Kings have fewer wins, playoff wins, than the Blue Jackets do since they last won the cup. They have zero. Anyway, that. And there's still some really good players on the team.
1: Yeah, there's it's sparse now though, right? Ooh. God, there are some awful contracts on there. <laughs>
3: Why not go out and get Ilya Kovalchuk? That's that. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, of all
1: of the of all of the decisions. But what's crazy is the teams. So there was a stretch where Chicago and LA, I think, among them, won four cups in a row or. Like five, like five, five in seven years or something, something like that? Yeah, crazy. Now they're the worst two teams in the league. Yeah. I mean, and for different reasons, as you noted. But, yeah, that's it is stunning. And you wonder. I mean, you look at, at the Kings, and if the Blue Jackets lose Sergei Bobrovsky, they're going to have to bring in a significant goalie. And I know people are like, oh, Elvis Merzlikens is the guy. Well, you don't know that yet. Oh, right, right, guy. right. But that is, oof. Um, and you, you wonder where Jonathan if Jonathan quick leaving Los Angeles might be part of the fix. You wonder if, if, uh, they don't sell off a lot of pieces. Kopitar, uh, maybe Columbus gets another, another chance to get Kopitar. (laughs) Uh, Um, so yeah, that it's a weird, but so the blue jackets take a, a, a game last night where the, they should have been the, the clearly better team. And they were, uh, good news. The other way of looking at this that I think is, is interesting is the Metro. I remember a couple of years ago writing a few times just how incredible the Metro is, and how deep it is, and how it's just really – Philadelphia is a really good team. Pittsburgh, the Islanders are on the come with Tavares, the Capitals, all this. Now I think you, you would have to look at the Metro objectively and say it's the worst division in hockey. There? So, mm. mm, no. What's, what's
3: worse? I, it's, it's not the best. It's not the best division in the conference. Well,
1: what's what? What's the worst division?
3: Pacific, uh, maybe. Oh, the Pacific, yeah. You
1: think. Yeah, sure. yeah. I mean, yeah. How many
3: Stanley Cup champs have they got in the last three years over there in the Pacific?
1: Oh, here we go. We're talking last three years. Or we're talking now.
3: Oh, they, these. I don't know. I, th- that that
1: division does oh, that, do nothing for me. That that's fair. That's fair. Cal- Calgary is the best team this year, which I'm not sure if I'm buying that. But so let let me uh, backpedal a half step on my argument. The Metro is by far the worst division in the Eastern Conference.
2: <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Semantics.
1: Yes. Um. And if you look at it from the idea of just making the playoffs, Washington's going to make the playoffs. The Blue Jackets have to be better than just two of the, other, the rest of these teams. In other words, what I'm saying is it's not really about the overall standings necessarily. They want to be as good as they can be. But I think it's going to be hard for this team. Torch would love this. but I think it's going to be hard for them to miss the playoffs. Oh, boy. I think Pittsburgh gets better. I do. I, you know how I feel about Pittsburgh. They don't care right now. I think they will care and they'll turn it on. But then you've got the Islanders, you've got the Rangers, you've got Carolina, Philadelphia, and New Jersey. Who among that group scares you in any way as a candidate to push the Blue Jackets out of third place in the Metro? Who wants that one first?
2: Tom, go ahead. Uh, we haven't even heard from you, Allison. Get in there. Hey, I totally offered up the Pacific. I gave the answer. Oh, okay, yeah.
3: You and I formed a strong block in the Pacific. Thank you very um, much.
2: Um, no, I don't think,
3: to answer your question, I, don't, I think it would be very hard for the Blue Jackets not to. I agree, Aaron. I agree with Aaron's point. I think they're no worse than third. I, I can see it being Washington, Columbus, and the Penguins. Of that group, you know, it seems like every year there's a team that kind of comes along that makes the playoffs that you'd not. You know, the Islanders have just kind of held steady. If you're asking me to take one of those teams, yes, I would maybe stay with, I'll maybe stay with the Islanders. Uh, I don't. I, it's not going to be the Rangers. They're they're starting to fall back. Um, Carolina does nothing for me. And Philadelphia, I don't know. I don't know what Philadelphia's doing. New Jersey, no, they seem to have, they seem to have gone back to where they were a couple years ago, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah,
3: I'll yeah, also, also say the Islanders are the only one. And, I, 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 again, I, I still think the Blue Jackets are a top three team.
1: Allison.
2: Um, I, just for sake of being different, um, I'm going to give Carolina a little bit more rope. Um, and see what they can do. Um, their goaltending is curious; it always confounds. Um, they're a high-flying team. I think it would be interesting to see what they do. I'm, I'm definitely not one of those people, and have been in the past of the oh, Carolina's going to surprise. But I think they could make it interesting,
1: for yeah. sure. I just don't think there's there's a threat there. I mean, cap the Capitals right now would be fourth in the Atlantic. Right, That's if crazy. you want to look that way, right? Yeah. The Blue Jackets would be sixth in the Atlantic. Pittsburgh has as many points as Detroit, and the, everybody thinks it's terrible. And Detroit has two more games. But point is, it is it's down this year, and I, I think Tortorella, I think Tortorella realizes this, and he's going to the prod because he doesn't want he doesn't want his team thinking that way. Um, and and honestly, do they can they hang with the Capitals regular season? Can they can they win the Metro this year? I think so. I still well, think so. Isn't that crazy?
2: Well, no, but I think that's the thing. That's why he's pushing. I mean, they may be close to a lock for the postseason, but they're not going to go far if they don't put some things together here, right? So um, to compete with a Washington they need to start playing like they have the last two games and that's not happening consistently yet. So, I I mean, he has to push, even if a spot, even if a spot was guaranteed because of the relational thing to the other divisions, like you just said, and other teams, they might have a spot, but they need to be better to, to make a push.
1: Yeah. I thought it was interesting that that he sort of, he, he does throw himself under the bus on occasion quite often, actually more than most coaches, it was interesting for him to say that this uh, find-a-way-to-win mentality that he, he got really excited about for a couple of weeks there, he sort of recognized that as a, a way of of looking past deficiencies and looking at only their results, which is something that coaches always fight against. or they look at the way that they play more than they look at their results, as dumb as that sounds. If you play the right way, essentially, and eventually you're going to get the results that you want. And I think that find a way to win stuff sort of became um, the end justifies the means, which is which is not healthy necessarily. Um, And I I think he's gotten away from that now. And that was part of the Monday. Is that Allison? Is that you're thinking for that philosophy as well?
2: Yeah, for sure. And. You know, that was in digging through a lot of the numbers for my post yesterday. I mean, that's, that's the thing you can, you can use his, the other phrase that he always says, you know, it's a game of mistakes. It's a game of mistakes and that's all well and good, but to absorb mistakes, to, to not have one mistake be the death knell, if you will, you, you have to build up a cushion that can absorb a mistake versus have a holy crap reaction to a mistake.
1: Right. And,
2: and, and, and that's the, it was, and we are very much oversimplifying what he, he does as a coach, but to say it's a game of mistakes and we'll find a way to win. I get it, but you have to be better so that the way you're playing allows you to take some of those blows and still survive.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Um, one of the things we, could have talked about Monday, but it's a long-range issue. This isn't about the Blue Jackets of today. This is about the Blue Jackets of tomorrow and really a few years from now. Um, you remember how badly this team was hit by the expansion draft um, and when Vegas came in? And not to relive all of that, but the Blue Jackets have, had, had that draft, that expansion, been one year earlier under the same rules. They would not have needed to protect Wenberg. Anderson Corposalo, their protected list would have been wide open and pretty easily pretty easy they would have kept probably if you look at it that way they probably would have kept William Carlson it's not like they didn't like William Carlson they just saw him as a third-line checking center Uh, if they could have kept him they probably would have Um, instead Wow, they've got to find a spot for a lot of guys with with uh, no move contracts, and so they swing a deal with Vegas that that uh, George McPhee will will uh, have on his his uh, list of accomplishments for many years to come, because William Carlson has 43 goals. Got it? You know the story. Uh, looking ahead to the next wave of expansion, and the Seattle uh, franchise is going to be part of the league in 21-22. And for a long time, uh, everybody around the league was expecting 2020, 20, 21. Uh, did I say that right? 2021. 20, yes. Uh, for Seattle, and the Blue Jackets were going, okay. Well, we're going to have to adjust to that, but that's not ideal either, because Nick Foligno and Brandon Dubinsky have no move contracts in the final years of their contracts as well, and they go through uh, the 2021 season. In other words. If the Seattle franchise had come in that year, the Blue Jackets would have to spend two of their protected spots again on Felino and Dubinsky. Uh, so there are ways to get around that, of course, but that starts to get messy. When Seattle and the league announced it's being pushed back to 21-22, that gigantic breeze you felt in central Ohio was the exhale of the Blue Jackets front office. Uh, because now their protected list, looking way ahead, is wide open, and they're not giving out no-move clauses to anybody uh, not named Panarin should he decide to sign here. This is a, this may be a bigger benefit this time than it than the penalty was a drawback the first time, if that makes any sense. This this is a huge deal, is it not, Tom?
3: Yeah, it's, uh, it is a big thing, and, and it was uh, interesting there. You know, it, this is – everyone around the league is talking about this because of just the, the what you laid out. The uh, I was reading with the, the Rangers, a division rival, who have some good young players now that they're waiting on as far as, you know, how are they going to be in a couple of years. They're stuck in the Blue Jacket situation from Vegas. They're like, oh, why this year? Why that year? Because they're going to have to – be forced to make those hard decisions uh, that the Blue Jackets were forced to make. So yeah, it's, 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 it's critical. And this, sometimes it is just, uh, you know, you lose the wrong w- one or two players. Now, again, do we expect William Carlson to be a perennial 40 goal scorer? No, but no. still he, they could have used him, you know, even what he brought before it was, was a, was a good third line center. And look at the, look at the issues they've had down the middle the last couple of years here. So
1: yeah, yeah they don't sign raleigh Nash that's for sure
3: right exactly that's exactly right they would have they would have and you had a really good extremely good penalty killer right look mm-hmm. yes. at the issues they've had killing penalties uh so yeah even without the goal scoring, even if you just gave him a few more goals he was a he was a loss
1: and yeah um, Allison, your thoughts on this and I got another wrinkle about this I want to put it both of you. You thought the question was hard.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I, I, I agree. And I think that, you know, I'll, we were talking about this last night, Aaron, and to, to Tom's point about William Carlson, you know, you said to me last night, would you trade Josh Anderson for William Carlson today? And and the answer was maybe right. So it was, Oh, see, sorry. I really no, no, you're
1: fine, you're fine. go with it. Would you do it
2: I, well, that my answer is maybe. And my answer is maybe because the the main thing that would take me thinking about bringing Carlson back is the fact that he plays center and the yeah. depth that is still a need for this organization. But I mean, look at the value of Josh Anderson, right? I mean, it's he's not a center, of course, but he's really coming into his own, particularly this year. And, I don't know that I, w- definitely I don't think I would make that trade one for one, for sure. If there were you, an- ancillary parts, maybe.
1: You don't think you would trade Anderson for Carlson?
2: One for one, no. I don't think. Woo! What?
1: Tom, if George McPhee calls you today and says, says uh, Tom, do you want William Carlson back? We'll take Josh Anderson. Nope. Ha ha! Really? No. Nope.
3: Why not? I think the I think Anderson's been a very consistent. I know I know what I have with Josh Anderson. I don't know what I have with William Carlson. I mean, Ooh. is he ever going to come close to four? Was he I don't even know what he has this year. I'm sorry, I didn't know. Eleven him. or
1: twelve this year. Okay, so I mean he's on pace for twenty five, twenty five, and and up. He got yeah. he, he, he's not who is a forty three goal guy outside of like four or five guys. But okay. let me see here. He's leading. He's leading them in scoring again. Eleven goals. Thirteen. That's just 24
2: points. Yeah, so, but his shooting percentage, even right now, is at is 16%, where last year it was at 23.
1: Which is insane. Insane. Just insane. Yeah, yeah. I'm not,
2: yeah,
3: I, I, I just I liked, I like Anderson's size. I like what he brings to this team. I think he's really a big part of the identity. And I know I'm being a hypocrite because I'm always the one on here saying you need centers, you need centers, you need centers. I just don't trust that to stay to continue on that lines. I think Anderson, you know what you have consistent player, uh, you know, gives you some size at a time in the league where that's becoming a less and less a factor, but it's still nice to have a guy like that uh, who can fly the way he can. And, you know, you wrote about him this morning, coming back from the injury uh, in the Vancouver game playing really well, getting a goal. Now I, I I'm, I'm sticking
1: with Josh Anderson. Ooh. Um,
2: what would you do?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't tell George McPhee maybe, <laughs> but um, ah, I I don't think I do it either. I think I keep Josh Anderson for a couple of reasons. I I don't think I don't think there's anybody else in the game today that meets. The, maybe there's a couple guys. Tom Wilson has it there, but just saying his name takes the. The conversation in a whole different direction. Right. That combination of size and speed, like power forwards, are hard to find in today's NHL because most of them can't keep up. Right. Well, Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider is to me that's okay. the guy. That- yeah, Chris Kreider. Um, and, and and I think we've seen William Carlson's best season. And if he can replicate that or even come close to it ever, that's fantastic. But I I think we don't – I don't think we know Josh Anderson's best season yet. I mean, he's, I mean, he might be having it right now. But I think this is a guy, a 20-plus goal scorer, who even on a bad night for him, he gives you something that other guys um, can't give you. You know what I'm saying? Like that size and that speed. And he doesn't quite play mean enough for me sometimes. But I mean, he's got he's got 80 points in his first 190 games, and it's a guy that's not played consistently top six until recently. So this he could be a 25-30 goal scorer at some point too. He's got 13. He's got more goals than Carlson does right now.
3: And he's a very driven player. We Allison and I have both we've talked to him about this topic about, and we've heard, and you, we've all heard him say, I want to I want to be higher in the lineup. The last couple of years. You know, he spent this, the off season trying to improve his his skill of his game. So I think he's, you know, he's he's not a guy to me. I know maybe there were some worries. I think Torts occasionally has worries with young players that they want to rest on their laurels, don't let it get too good to you, all that. I don't yeah. think Anderson's that way anymore. I, I think he, he understands, you know, there is real potential there, and he's, he's trying to maximize it.
1: Yeah, and to your point, let me quote John Tortorella yes. from last. Yes, yes. Which I thought was really interesting.
2: Super uh, interesting.
1: This is John Tortorella speaking about Josh Anderson. He said, when he said good games, it's gotten away from him at times. He forgets what he is. It, j- it gets good to him. And I think he's grown out of that. And then he says, he's asked me to stay on top of him about that. He asked me earlier in the year about staying on top of him about that. Maybe a couple of years ago. I don't want to say this in the wrong way because Josh is a tough kid but I'm not sure if he comes back into the game. But I think what he feels now is how much we depend on him as a player in our lineup. Now, it's yeah. funny to think, someone's saying, Coach, could you, John Tortorella no less, could you stay on me more this year? Could you be on top of me a little bit more than you usually are? Usually, John Tortorella is on top of things quite enough for most players. Um, but Anderson asking him for a little bit more, I thought that was interesting. Allison?
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm so glad you read that, because that was what immediately came to mind and 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 torts was at the ready with that too he said there were two things you know his preparation and then that that commitment if you will that that piece you just read and i I was the the fact to your point the fact that he asks again particularly a john tortorella to do that for him uh, that's that's nothing but a good sign
1: yeah cool uh anything else we need to get to tom you're working on something really special i can't wait for it to be unfurled um anything you want to add to the proceedings here no
3: i think um so so what what's our college hockey scene allison what what do we have this weekend
2: yep i was that was what i was gonna share with everyone the men are off they're on holiday break um but if you're looking for some matinee hockey uh this weekend the women are hosting mercyhurst they play tomorrow at three o'clock and Sunday at 1 o'clock, parking and admission are free. Um, this is a really special team um, trying to repeat a special season from last year. And it, it's fun hockey. Um, it's really fun to watch, and, and you get a really good view of it because you're in a really intimate rink. So if you're looking for something to do, I think it's supposed to rain most of the weekend. to Come out and, and check out these women.
3: Now, Allison, is this uh, just for, for, for some of our listeners that aren't as familiar with um, – women's hockey or college hockey is, I mean, you've done a great job last couple of years, bringing it more into light, but is this the women's best stretch in there since they've been around as a, as a uh, varsity team?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Last, last season alone set a ton of program records for wins. It was their first frozen four. Um, they lost um, one of their arguably best players in their goaltender um, who transferred over to Clarkson for her uh, final year of eligibility? She was a she had redshirted a year due to injury, and they've found a tremendous goaltender to step in. They have found a tremendous freshman um, who is filling in on the the top defensive pairing with All-American Jincy Dunn, um, who is going to be participating in Team USA's camp here in the next couple weeks. We're going to be talking about that defenseman on Monday, but. Um, this is becoming a destination for people who want to play hockey at the highest level. Um, Their, their, their coach is is tremendous. She's really, this is a woman who won championships as a player and a coach um, at Minnesota, a powerhouse in women's hockey. And what this program is going through right now is incredibly special. And uh, it's just a fun group of, of of players and coaches and um, Andrew Castles, former blue jacket is behind the bench there as well. It's, Come out and check them out.
1: There you have it. Blue Jackets back in action Saturday against Anaheim. Monday, they welcome Vegas to town. And then Thursday, they wrap up the homestand with New Jersey. So uh, I should say with Anaheim, Kiefer Sherwood, a uh, Columbus-New Albany product, is playing with the Ducks and playing very well. Made the team a bit of a surprise out of camp. Um, but he's, he's been a regular, I think he's played in every game or maybe he's, he's, maybe he's sat one game, uh, but he has three, five, eight plus five rating. He's playing about 12 minutes a night on the fourth line. So there'll be a lot of uh, local hockey people out watching that game on Saturday and with, with sort of, uh, split allegiances, if you will, they want the kid to do well, but they want the Blue Jackets to win. Um, that is of course is the brother of Cole Sherwood in the Blue Jackets organization. So I think that does it for this episode of Front Nationwide. Uh, great Christmas gift ideas if you're looking for for a, something that that's well, uh, oh, it's always there. Not a lot of paper and clutter around the house. It's right on your phone. You can buy a gift subscription. Uh, lots of great deals out there now for the Athletic. Just go to theathletic.com and look into the upper right. You'll see the red button there that says Gift Subscription. Uh, We appreciate you all subscribing and listening. We will talk to you on the other side of the weekend on Tuesday. And thanks so much for your time. Talk soon.